Okay. Again, a lot of uh, obstacles to get this technically to work. So obviously this is an important class. Good yantiv, good yantiv from Yudbeis Tamas to Yudgimel Tamas. Very, very special day, special energy, redemption for all Jewish people, even those that barely know they're Jewish. So today in Tanya, we are we're doing the entire chapter two. So to remind us of chapter one, which very much affects our understanding of chapter two, the second half of chapter one, the Alta Rebbe very clearly emphasized that repentance is not synonymous with fasting. Repentance, tshuva, means leaving the sin. And no matter how great the transgression was, even, God forbid, a transgression for which the offense would be capital punishment or curries, cutting off of one's soul, still repentance means leaving the sin. Repentance does not mean fasting. God might send you afflictions to help cleanse you, but you don't afflict yourself by fasting. That's what we did in chapter one. Now, in chapter two, the Rebbe continues and says, so kapara, atonement, which means forgiveness for the sin, that you're completely forgiven, meaning you'll never be accused of doing that sin. You will never be punished for doing that sin. That was achieved by tshuva, by your sincere repentance. You stopped sinning. You regretted. You confessed. You resolved never to do it again. I tested you. You passed the test. You did your repentance. God will send you atonement. But, now this is the but that the rest of the chapter deals with. But after you do your complete repentance, you might still feel, you know, technically I'm clean. Technically I'm not going to get punished. But I don't feel as acceptable to Hashem, to God, as before I sinned. I don't feel as beloved to God as before I sinned. So what happened in the past? Well, in the times of the temple, when they could bring offerings after they sinned, and repented for their sin, and completed the whole repentance process, they then brought an offering. It was a very special offering. It's called an oila, which was a type of offering where the animal is completely burnt up, the owner doesn't get a part, the priest doesn't get a part. It goes entirely to God. And the purpose of this ola offering was to be in the same relationship, that God should have the same love for you as before. You know, someone messes up, they go through the right steps, you forgive them, but there's still a little bit of strain in the relationship. So the Ola is to say, God, I want you to love me the same way as before. And therefore, it didn't really make a difference how grievous the offense was. Even for a very minor offense, like transgressing a positive commandment, which generally speaking, I mean, of course, there are a few exceptions, but generally speaking, we would view that as the lightest sin Definitely not one that you should have afflictions in any way. But still, we want God to have the same relationship. So I'm sort of offering God this gift. It's not necessary. It's not required. It's a gift after I was forgiven for my sin for us to have the same relationship. That's the idea. And then the Rebbe proves in parentheses this point that 
when one offers this ola for kapara, for atonement, it doesn't mean atonement for the sin. You already repented and got that atonement, but it means restoring your relationship with God. Okay, so that's the past. That was in biblical temple times. But what about nowadays? So nowadays, the Rebbe says, we can't bring an offering that God should again have the same love for us as before we sinned. So there's something else we can do, and that's called a fast. And when I'm fasting, what I'm basically saying, God, is I'm giving you a gift of my fat, my blood that I'm losing through the fast, and that should be like as if I brought an offering on the altar. This is my offering of my fat to have you once again feel the same warm relationship like before I sinned. And that's why many Talmudic sages, for very, very minor things, fasted enormous numbers of times. Now, they were not fasting for repentance. They were not doing self-afflicted suffering to complete the atonement for their soul. These were very, very minor offenses that one wouldn't need that for. But they still felt that on their stature, these very minor offenses would mean maybe their relationship with God is different. And they wanted to restore those bonds of love. And that's why they fasted these enormous number of times. So from this perspective, the fasting substitutes the offering, and therefore, you're not fasting for repentance. You're not fasting because your sin was so grievous you need a suffering. No, neither of those things. You're fasting post-receiving atonement for even minor sins because you want the same relationship. And that's why the Arizal taught his students enormous numbers of fasts for, relatively speaking, minor sins, sins which definitely don't involve capital punishment or carres, don't need afflictions, but we want to restore the relationship. And the Arizal gave many, many, many fasts because fasting has a tremendous power to elicit God's will, just as the offering, the Ola offering, has an enormous power to elicit God's will, to make it so pleasing and loving for God. An acceptable fast does the same thing.